Hey y'all, welcome to a bonus episode of YBO. I am your host, Christina Royster. Make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening today. And you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at the YBO Podcast. Listen, you are in for a treat today because on this bonus episode, I talked with Tanisha Carr. Tanisha is a fashion photographer and the founder and editor-in-chief of Blanc Magazine. Blanc Magazine is a fashion culture, music, arts magazine, you name it. But predominantly the focus was fashion for Tanisha at first and so I'm not gonna spoil everything I'm not gonna tell her whole story I'll let her tell her story but this is such a treat because she was really preaching on this episode and really inspired me so I know that it will hit home for y'all too but I will ask for a little bit of grace because we recorded via zoom we had some technical difficulties brother ash was able to sprinkle his production magic on the track so I think we should be good but yeah just keep that in mind y'all okay and without further ado, enjoy this episode. Where should I start? Wow. Um, welcome to Young Black and Opinionated. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, can you just introduce yourself and let people know who you are and what do you do? Um, my name is Tanisha Carr. I am a fashion photographer. I am an editor. I own and edit a fashion and culture magazine called Blanc, um, and I'm also a contributing editor at Ink Magazine, and I curate a channel on Ink called All the Hats, and All the Hats focuses on the journey of Black women entrepreneurs. I am also a lover of cheeseburgers. Mm. Um, <laughs> Where do you get your favorite? Who has the best burgers? Who has now see, I have this thing, like I do a lot of traveling, right? Well, I did before the pandemic. Um, I would basically travel international like every six weeks. Oh wow. So my thing was travel burgers. And it's not like I don't eat burgers all the time at home because I do, but my jam is like to go to a new place, a new country, and just try a burger. Yeah, that's so good. So the best travel burger I've had was in Milan at a place called STK. Um, I was there. I did some diversity event with Cameron Delamota, the fashion council. And I was staying at this hotel and the STK was right next door. And they had these like mini burgers that come on this wood plank and mm. delicious. It's like, like a little flight of cheeseburgers. Yes. Oh. So- Good. So I love good. Uh, wow. Well, <laughs> wait, let me backtrack though, because you just sound like a globe trotter, and I just can't believe I'm no, I'm not. I'm you not. you have you have you are just so cultured, and I just can't believe that I am talking to somebody who owns their own fashion magazine. Like, can you please tell everybody how you got started and, and your background in photography? Um Yeah. So I'm going to go back a little bit. I'm going to like give you the bio jam. Like I was a baby, but no, like (laughs) important to like, like know where you come from. Right. So, um, I, um, was born in South Philadelphia, uh, four blocks away from the projects. It was called Philadelphia in the Mm nineties. Um, extremely violent. It was much more segregated than it is right now. Mm Um, and there was no, there was nothing else, right? Like there wasn't like leaving Philly. There wasn't traveling outside of your state. Um, it, I, except to go to church conferences that, you know, we, 
<laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> you know, like my my grandfather was a pastor, my mother was a minister, so we we did a lot of the, that, and that was our travel. That was what we considered um, traveling. Yeah. So um, my sister brought home a Vogue one day, and Ooh. before that, I didn't know or understand the concept of fashion. And like now, listen, my brothers. They were fashionable young black men. So they had their Tommy Hilfiger, um, America flag, long sleeve shirt. They had their peach uh, Ralph Lauren and pink Ralph Lauren shirts that they would wear with their Tims. They were quite fashionable young men. So that was my idea of fashion, just what my brothers were. I didn't know anything about anything else until that magazine. And then my world exploded and, you know, it wasn't even like so many women have that story of like wanting to be that model. That was never it for me. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, my God, who made these images? Yeah, like, that's like me. Like, yeah. Like who made these images? Who made this concept? Who created this world? Yeah. Who is Grace Coddington? OK, <laughs> so that's what it, that's what it was like for me. It was like. It was like in that, what is that movie that- Devil Wears Prada? Oh, well, (laughs) there's no Black people. That movie with uh, Reese Witherspoon where everything, Pleasantville. It was like, it was like my world was in black and white. And then I opened up that magazine and it was like color came into my world. So that's, that was the impact that fashion initially had on me. And it carried through my entire life and it dictated my choices. But unfortunately- um, as I obsessively read Vogue's, um, I um, it created this, a dysphoria because there was no one that looked like me or anyone I knew or anyone in my school or anyone that I had ever met in my entire life in those pages. There was no one my shape, my size, uh, my color. And, you know, I'm a I'm a light skinned woman. But there, I was going to say, <laughs> but you know, it, that's how it was. It yeah. Was, like that you would you would find it on occasion and you know praise the gods that it, it that it happens but other than that that's what it was yeah and throughout my career i i tried i i went to an ivy league i studied photography i knew what i wanted to do i wanted to take pictures and i wanted to create those scenes that i saw that 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 changed my life mm-hmm. and um door after door closed um countless cvs sent in to be ignored um inter- interviews that interviewers that don't look me in the eye wow um it's you know it's you know it's being a black woman you know what it's like to be a black yeah. woman trying to do and I was something going to ask at, at what time is is this and what year is this because uh, i mean not much has changed in the past 30 years but uh I, I, well when i it was uh it was around 911 so yeah around 2000 mm, is when okay. i i was very young i was 18 years old and i was like i knew from 15 this is what i wanted to do right yeah. i wanted to make those images and then it's like it took that time to figure out, okay, so first I have to get the education. So I did that. And then I have to try to get the, the internship boxes. Right. Yeah. So you're like, I'm doing all the right things. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Like I'm supposed to then get an internship at these magazines to see how it is done. And then that's where it stopped because there, there were no opportunities for me. 
So you got in the door of your dream job, so to speak, and you realized that it wasn't what you thought it was. It was just short lived. It was just an internship for three months teaches you nothing. And if you uh, can't fit the samples and you can't um, like have the privilege of being white Mm -hmm. and being the daughter of a friend of the editor's husband, then you end up being a fly on the wall. But I am the invisible black woman and I learn how to be a fly on the wall and take all the information I could. So I would go, I would like in my internships, go from room to room and it's just sponge, sponge. I'm just standing there because the wall's like, I'm invisible, you know, like to me because I'm not important to them. So I'm just, and I'm just sopping up as much information as possible um, because I knew that my time there was short-lived and I knew no one was going to teach me anything. Mm-hmm. And I moved to London. I said, forget it. Forget America. <laughs> no, That's not really. crazy in itself. <laughs> like just saying, just hopping on a plane and going across the pond. Like one, I had a one-way ticket. Wow. My mom, we didn't have any money. We were so poor. My mom, I said, mom, I got into the school in London. I need just the ticket to get there. I'm going to get some loans. I'm going to figure it out. But this is what I need to do. And uh, she gave me the $300 for the one-way ticket. Wow. And I am I lived there for 10 years. I, wow. I went to university. Um, I opened up a studio. And there is where I built my community of misfits, of others, Um You know, we were shooting stories in my studio, talking about art and fashion and music and shooting our friends and our friends were were black and they were trans and they were uh, fat. You know, they were like 300 pounds. And like I was I was styling before it was cool. Yeah, because we were just shooting our friends like we were just in, in my studio making the work. And then the the images were beautiful and we would send them out to to the indie magazines. Like we would forget, we wouldn't even think. I was going to ask you, how did you navigate this industry if you really didn't have any mentors or anybody like, were you like searching through phone books, like finding people's emails? Like, how did you navigate this? Trying to find other people who felt like me. Yeah. Other people who knew that they had a, a voice, who knew they had something to say, who was quite frankly talented, yo. Like, let's yeah. just let's just call it what it is. Like, just talented, just talented and black and talented and trans and talented and Asian and talented and just like um lost and can't find others that that feel like them that feel like that this this world that is like shut us out is they're missing out because we have this vast knowledge these stories that we want to tell you really were speaking to me because for the podcast for YBO I've just been feeling like, hey, I don't really know what I'm doing sometimes, but this is my way of storytelling and it resonates with some people. It might not resonate with everybody, but I have my little niche community and I feel like that's kind of what you built. And now it's a full-blown magazine that has advertising and and sponsorship dollars and I just can't believe it. (laughs) What do you mean you don't know what you're doing? You know that little tiny thing, that gut, that muscle that we've been taught to ignore and to push down and to reject and to not listen to. 
that's the thing that's guiding you, that's guiding me, that has guided me so far through my life. And every time I have ignored it and I have not listened to it, I have failed. Mm. So, you know, you do know what you're doing because your gut is pulling you here. Yeah. Right. And and so, you know, give give yourself, give us more credit. We 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 built something using our intuition. Yeah. I had no idea how. And, and when I say this to people, they don't understand what I mean. And if you don't understand what I mean, I can't help you. <laughs> the girls that get it, get it. <laughs> I built it completely on intuition. I had no idea how to make a magazine. Wow. How could I have known when no magazine would give me any opportunity to prove myself and tell my stories? Yeah. So what did I do? I used my intuition, that muscle, that monster inside me that knows what's right for me and what I should be putting out there. And that's what I use every single day. It's just real sharp now because I use it all <laughs> I, the time. I was going to say, did it ever click for you? Like, do you feel like a professional now or do you still have imposter syndrome? at times oh yeah I, I i suffer from imposter syndrome all the, oh yeah all the time yeah uh i i went to this show and one of my partners is dior now i'm not trying to sound fancy like <laughs> but this is about to be fancy um so dior uh they did a show um in london and so they flew me in for the show and we had um they it was beautiful what they did, like how they treat their partners is so incredible. And that's another thing. Get partners who treat you like partners. Mm -hmm. Who don't treat you like a ticked off thing or a DNI initiative who actually treat you like partners because you will feel the difference. Mm. And so they they closed out these restaurants for their guests and I walk into the room and I was a complete imposter. The biggest editors in Europe. like. But you were there for a reason. Was there. And then my black ass was there. I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, can I talk to the black ass? <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah. Kind of, I'm sorry. I'm just, I we're unfiltered. <laughs> okay. I, I, you know, I'm not being a traitor. But I felt like such an imposter, right? But then I felt like, yo, I am in the smallest room because... I see Nick from Esquire. I see the biggest editors in Europe, in the world, in this room, and I'm in this room. So yeah. either they're wrong, like, what are y'all doing here? <laughs> or, or I'm wrong, what am I doing here? <laughs> or maybe I should be there. Yeah. Maybe I should be there. So it, I do have not, um, uh, imposter syndrome 90% of the time. But oh it's my gosh. moments, man, that you're like, oh. Like, either everybody is wrong or I should be here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, wow. That, that's really inspiring because I, I feel like so many people right now are just going through it with the whole great resignation. Some people are tired of their jobs. We're burnt out. We don't know what to do next. And I personally have really just been leaning on my faith and my natural God-given talents. Like, I know what I'm good at. And I know what I want to do and I know what I don't want to do. And... If my nine to five and my passions aren't aligning, there might need to be a change of pace. I don't know. So I, I really do feel that because it sounds like you basically get to do what you love every day. You you made your own lane. You you that's what you gotta do. If if the room doesn't exist for you, yo, get your damn bricks out. First you gotta get the book. But if you can't if you don't still understand construction, I don't know, watch some YouTube videos. <laughs> build a room because <laughs> what are you going to do are you going to wait for someone 
to open all these talk, all this talk about doors and all this bullshit. No, I'm not waiting for anybody to open any doors for me. You know Amen. What I'm going to do? I'm going to be over here with my bricks, with my, what, with, with my mortar? What's that? that what's <laughs> this I don't know what it's called, but the brick laying tools. And I'm going to be building my own house over here. With my with no doors, yeah. so all y'all can come in if y'all want to. But I'm not <laughs> waiting for nobody open no doors. I'm gonna build my house yeah. over here, and I'm good. And that's what I had to do. I didn't have any choice. I wanted to do this, and I didn't have the opportunities. There were no opportunities for me in order to do this yeah. at this level. And even now to this day, those opportunities are extremely rare, if still non-existent, because quite honestly, I'm the only black owned and operated fashion magazine that is getting print advertising. Wow. In 2022. And that's a sad statistic, yeah. So, you know, like it's, 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 there's so much room for, for, uh, for all of us. And it's just me here. So I'm just going to build my house. I encourage you to build your house because you can't, you know, and maybe, you can build a new house out of your nine to five and, and mold it to be what you need it to be. But if that's if it's not working out, yeah, go build your own house. Yeah, that's what I did. I, and, you know, I'm trying I'm working on my second level back up there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that leads me to my next question, kind of just the future of fashion, because I feel like we like you said, we still are very underrepresented the fashion industry can be racist at times. There aren't a lot of there. Like you said, there's so much talent out here. It's just undiscovered. For example, Telfar just now taking off and, and Telfar has been around for years. And, and it's just crazy to me that now we're slowly starting to see an interest in black owned businesses and black fashion, but we've always been here, like you said. So how do we change the fashion industry? Um, Find allies. Mm. Um, find allies who, even if they don't quite understand the experience or the journey or the trauma, they want to really understand. And they really want to give you the resources that you need to succeed. Um, whether those allies be in the form of mentors, of friends, of partners of advisors um that's what i that's what helped turn things around for me if if you're building a a whole house someplace and you don't know what you're doing you have to ask the people that are already there yeah like how how will i know how will i know how to talk to brands how will i know how to sell i need to find the best publishers in the world to talk to, to find out how to do the things that I need to do to keep my business alive. So that's the first thing. I find allies wherever they may be. And um, and I have a question about that because right now we're in Black History Month and a lot of people are kind of, you know, saying one thing but doing another. There's brands out here who want to help support black people and, and donate money to HBCUs and blah, blah, blah. How can you really tell that somebody is a genuine ally? You can't, you know, like you, you like it, it's tough. It's tough. Um, 
there's a lot of brands that do a lot of things and that have done a lot of things that have been problematic, stupid, and racist. Mm -hmm. Just downright racist. And there are also some brands who you know, you see initiatives coming out of their company. You see them working with black creatives, not just around Black History Month, not just around so-called cultural projects, yeah. but are really um, embracing the creativity that comes out of our community. And like, you know what feels real. You know, like you, again, trust that muscle, trust that that monster inside. You know, you know what, you know what feels real. You know what feels fake. You yeah. know, like, you know all those black square dudes you know they was bad. You know what they was really saying behind yeah. closed doors. But you also know the ones that are still doing outreach, that are still doing cool stuff with the culture, that are still that are, are you can you can see it in their advertising. You can see it in, in the initiative. So you know, like you you'll know you know, yeah. and and the ones that you don't know, eventually they'll they'll slip up or they'll die. Mm. You know that's. Brands who don't change, brands who don't accept that diversity is not even about being a necessity. It is just life. It is just, this is, we we are on this planet here together. And that's it. Like, because yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like, better get used to us. <laughs> so, or you better work with us. Like, that's it. Like, we're not going anywhere. My trans brothers and sisters are not going anywhere. Yeah. So that's it. Like this is this is what life is, and it should be. Yeah. So you know that's um, I'm all preaching. I love that. I love that though. I really need to have like Tanisha TED Talks every other episode because I feel like everybody's really gonna take something away from this. So thank you so much for sitting down with me and just sharing this with my audience. What a great way to end the episode. Like this episode just just really lifted my spirits and I hope it did the same for y'all. Tanisha let me know that she's not really active on social media, but she's around. You can find her on LinkedIn. Uh, she spells her name T-E-N-E-S-H-I-A. Tanisha Carr, C-A-R-R. But you can definitely find Blanc Magazine on social media. Blanc is on Twitter as Blanc Mag, B-L-A-N-C, Mag. And on Instagram as Blanc Magazine, B-L-A-N-C Magazine. So yeah, follow, like, subscribe, all that stuff, and support a black magazine. And I will be talking to you guys next week on a full-length episode.